In Mark chapter 6, these first six verses uh, recount a very interesting episode where Jesus comes into his home town and they are amazed at his teaching and they're wondering, who is this person? Isn't this that carpenter? They were offended. And ultimately, Jesus couldn't do very many mighty works there. He did heal a few sick folk. There were some mercy drops here and there, right? In our own language. But um, he could not do the mighty works. And that's the thing that, that I think about a lot. We don't see the mighty works of God. We, we do see some few sick folk being he- healed here and there. Like I said, the mercy drops. Oh, but for the showers we plead. But uh, it, it concludes by saying that it was because of their unbelief that this was so. And Jesus marveled. He just was, wow, their unbelief. Well, the thing that, uh, I mean, we quote this quite a bit, uh, even in our own praying. But the thing that I wanted to try to examine here, uh, especially this morning, was this connection between unbelief and the fact that he came into his own country. I wanted to try to explore that a little bit uh, with you all. He came into his own country and how that connects with unbelief. Um, It may help us, actually, to hop over to the parallel passage in Luke. This is... uh, was very helpful to me. In Luke chapter 4, there's there's a little bit more detail, and I'm not going to bog us down in the details. I'll do my best not to do that. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it says, He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. Okay, so this is where he was brought up, uh, his childhood. and um, And again, he was in the synagogue, and he's teaching them, And in verse 22, they wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. They were astonished. They were, like I said, they were saying, who is this person? And in fact, they said, is not this Joseph's son? So it's it's a little bit like, okay, they knew who he was. He, He grew up in this area, so they knew him from a long time. Uh, they knew his family. They knew everything about his family, his upbringing. Um, and sometimes it's the case in our own experience where perhaps when uh, we go back to a setting where perhaps we were saved later on in life and we go back and they're like, who are you? Uh, I, I've known you and you are not the same person. Now, in the case of the Lord Jesus, that that quite wouldn't be the case because he was perfect all the way through. So it wouldn't have been like, this is not the same person. Um, he was a lot different when he was younger, and then they despised him because of that. No, no, no. That could be the case with us. But the Lord Jesus was perfect all the way through. So they couldn't put anything on him by way of being a hypocrite or anything like that. 
So what had changed? What was different? In other words, I'm, I'm thinking that he grew up and he, though he was perfect, it's not as if he did any mighty works there. He was a perfect individual, but he did not um, rise to any kind of prominence or people didn't hardly notice him. I mean, he just seemed to be part of the family. What changed is that in verse 18 we read, you know, Jesus is now reading out of the book in Isaiah. And in verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel, etc. And, and then he closed the book and said, um, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. The change is when Jesus was anointed and the Spirit of God came upon him with great power, uh, fitting him for the public ministry. And um, and then so when he is now now in that position of teaching and preaching, they are astonished. This is this is a huge surprise to them. They did not know this before about him. And um, in fact, they were saying, "Is not this Joseph's son?" Etc. And that's often the case. Sometimes I, I don't want to make the parallel too strong, but sometimes with us as well. When we go through a period of um, what I used to call in a, in a previous meditation, the former reign, where the Lord has done such a work in our hearts that when we come back to the places that people are familiar with us, like say our, our families or people in our church, and we have a, a, a new fire or we have a new zeal, they, are, they can actually be offended by that. As, it, as we read in Mark's account. There's, there's something offensive about that. There's something that, that makes them um, almost resent it and say, who are you? you you're, you're just you know, the same person, but what's, what's, what's up with you? And then Jesus says something very interesting in verse 23. He, he makes a very interesting statement. It's, um, it's a proverb that he quotes. And in verse 23, he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. And I was thinking, what does that mean? What Really, what does that mean? Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Again, I'm going back to this thought of he came into his own country, his own familiar people, um, the ones that he that he grew up with. So what does this mean, physician, heal thyself? Well, I think the the big idea with that little phrase, that proverb is, you have this physician that's doing great things everywhere, uh, and he's becoming very famous. In fact, it says here that um, there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about, verse 14. He was very famous all over the place. And this proverb, physician, He's doing great things all over the place. Heal yourself. If he falls sick, heal yourself. Um, and there's a sense where that that language is echoed when Jesus was on the cross, remember? They're saying, if you're this great prophet, if you're so great, come down off the cross. Prove it to us. Or uh, when they said, um, others he saved. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. 
um, that sort of thing. Physician, heal thyself. If you're so great, if you're so famous, show me a sign. Prove it to me. Come off the cross. Um, that is that proverb, I believe, explained. And in fact, it says, whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, in other words, okay, we've heard this, all this news of you doing great things in Capernaum. Do it here. Do it here in your own homeland. Let's see some of this power. That's, that's sort of the sneering spirit behind these words. Physician, heal thyself. Whatever we heard in Capernaum, do here in thy country, verse 23. And then verse 24, Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. So again, this, this idea of your own country, your own family, your own church, maybe, um, within your own denomination, a church that's starting to go on fire, within your own denomination, perhaps, there's some of that spirit going on. Um, churches that are having a hard time seeing God working over here in this church, and they're not seeing it over here in their church, and there can arise in their hearts this, this spirit. Physician, heal thyself. No prophet is accepted in his own country. There's a sense of self, my country. What is it that w- is happening when we, when we tell God, You're, if you are so great, show me a sign. If you are so great, come off the cross. If you are so great, others you saved, himself he cannot save. Prove it to me now. It's a little bit like what happened in, with Herod in, in Luke 23. You don't have to turn there, but Luke 23. Remember Herod? He was standing before Herod. This is the, the evening of his, right before his crucifixion. Herod saw Jesus, Luke 23, verse 8. Herod saw him. He was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because why? He had heard many things of him. He was famous. And he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. So here is Herod standing before Jesus, almost like, oh, this is great. I finally get to meet him. Show me a miracle, please. And what happened? Jesus answered him nothing. You see, Jesus will not be the servant of anyone. He sets the the terms. It's like we we want God and God's power and God's glory on display on our own terms, on our own turf, before we will accept Him. And and this is not this is not our God, just like Herod. He wants to see His glory. Show it to me now. Come off the cross. Do this. Show us a sign, and then we'll believe you. No. God works on his own terms and not on our turf. And then it goes on in in Luke to give two passages from the Old Testament. I'm not going to go through them, but in verses 25 to 27, 
it talks about Elijah and Elisha. Elijah with the uh, the cruise of oil and um, and the meal and that miracle that was done. And by the way, if you read in verse 25, it, it says, I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias when the heaven was shut up, etc. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. In other words, it was to an outsider that Elijah showed this great miracle. The next one, for Elisha, many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisius, Elisha, the prophet. None of them was cleansed, save Naaman, the Syrian, not part of Israel. What happened when they heard these two examples? Verse 28 they, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. Can you believe that? There was such a party spirit with these people that even just citing these cases from the Old Testament, the, the facts of what God chose to do, they, they couldn't stand it. And could it be that, um, that if revival were to break out, like genuinely break out, in another quarter, in another prayer meeting. Would we be able to rejoice, like rejoice with them? Or would we immediately have something, a prejudging, a prejudice, something, well, there's something, there must be something wrong with that. Now, there, obviously there could be things wrong with different things, but is that going to be our automatic knee-jerk always reaction? It can't be. Because basically it's not here. It's not on our, our own terms or our own turf. Um, it's making God the servant of us. Okay, I'm, I'm done. I just looked at the clock. I can't believe it. I'm very sorry about that. But I just want to stress the fact that, and this is my final little summary statement, when we become familiar with gospel language or gospel news, we can too often respond with resentment, with a party spirit, or unbelief. And it is in such cases that the Lord cannot do many mighty works.